Hey everyone, I'm Brianna with a very special guest today, and you are listening to The Page Turner. Hi everyone, as you heard in the intro, it's going to be me and a special, special guest today. We have the town's own poet laureate, Jen Siraganian. We chatted for a, over an hour and a half. It was just an amazing, beautiful conversation where we talk about a poetry collection titled The Killing by Ada Limon. Um, and of course, I get to ask wonderful questions to Jen about how she became the poet laureate, and you guys will get to learn a lot more about her as well, which is very exciting. Just a couple things before we jump into the interview and poetry collection discussion. So whether you're a fan of poetry or just a fan of Jen, either before or after this podcast, and even if you're not, feel free to join in on very two exciting poetry-related events we have coming up. We have one geared towards families and kids, and that will be the Story Walk and Haiku with Jen at Oak Meadow Park, taking place on April 6th from 4 to 5 p.m. And our other poetry-related event that will also be hosted by Jen will be the Lost Gatos Poetry Contest Winners Reading, where the winners of the contest will read out the poetry. It's okay if you missed the contest. Stay tuned. We will definitely have another one in the future. And this one is for everyone. And this will actually be in person at the Lost Gatos Library in the fireplace room on April 28th from 5 to 6 p.m. So come on down to some wonderful poetry. With those two events announced and hopefully written down on your calendars, please enjoy my interview and poetry collection discussion with the Los Gatos poet laureate, Jen Siraganian. We had a great time and I hope you do too. Hi, Jen. Welcome in and thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks, Brianna. I'm so excited to be here. April is National Poetry Month and I've said this before on the podcast, but Poetry is a section that I really don't know a lot about. I'm fascinated by it, a little intimidated by it. And so having the Poet Laureate of Los Gatos here is such a huge treat. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It's really, it's wonderful to be here. And it's, you know, it is one of my favorite months of the year. Oh, because, <laughs> right, it's so exciting. And it's springtime. Um, and it is this chance to really, like, just dive into poetry but also to be able to share it with the world in a bigger like bolder way so I'm really really thrilled oh thank you again tell me more about yourself so how did you become the poet laureate of Los Gatos yeah I mean honestly it was it was last year it was during you know middle of COVID and I was going to Los Gatos Library regularly to pick up books um, because this is one of my favorite places in the world. Oh, thank you. Me too. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I saw the sign in the window that just said, you know, Poet Laureate of Los Gatos, um, applications, and they had a list and a description of what the tasks, the jobs entailed. And when I read through what was required and what, um, was, what they were looking for, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, this just feels, like, so up my alley. Um, I had, Yeah, like, I had, I had moved to Los Gatos from, I, I used to live up in San Francisco, and I was there for almost a decade, and I was very involved in Litquake, which is the literary festival of San Francisco. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible organization. I, I love, 
I love them so much. And uh, they, um, and I first started as a volunteer. This was in 2008. And then um, after just a year, I started volunteering and doing more and more events for them. And this, then I started organizing events. Wow. Um, yeah. And one of their big events is it's called the Lit Crawl, where they literally set up different readings in cafes and laundromats and bars and restaurants and stores all along Valencia Street in San Francisco. And so I organized that for a number of years. I have it, never heard of that. I cannot believe that. I am, after we're cool, I'm writing this down. I'm going yes. to the next one. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It's so fun. It's so fun. That's why, like, October is the other. So just, like, wait six months and, like, <laughs> yes, that'll be the other most amazing month is um, is Liquake. So, yeah, so I was I worked at Liquake for a couple of years. I became managing director, and it was just such an incredible experience. And then once I moved down here, I was really missing that literary community and all that literary activity. Yeah. Um, and my poetry was still so important to me. Um, but at the same time, I, I had two children, and so that was really mm-hmm. Taking over a lot <laughs> yeah. of my time and my yeah, energy. Of yeah. And San Francisco is one of the cities that's wonderful to visit, but it's a it is a day visit. Like you, you that is a travel time, so it's not like you can just hop over real quick. Right, right. No, it is. It's definitely like yes, there is a drive involved in it or the Caltrain. Um, so yeah, so I just was really thrilled to bring that kind of experience and expertise. To this, to the realm of Los Gatos, yeah. um, and also just you know, and, and that's been wonderful. So I basically became poet laureate last year in April. Congratulations! Like, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I also love how organically it came. Yeah. Like you just saw a flyer, like you yeah. said, and you and something was like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really felt just true and right, and. Um, and even though I knew it would be really challenging, right? I mean, obviously with like COVID still going on yeah. and the pandemic and not knowing if events would be virtual or in person. And mm-hmm. and we've definitely seen that in the past year, right? Like right yeah, when we thought. Totally. <laughs> right? like, we ourselves moved all virtually. Right. Um, and it's funny, we used to have physical pamphlets of all the events we had going on. And we could not believe now how many things we had every day going on here. Because it's just... The complete opposite. And yeah, a little jug, you know, having to adjust. Yes. Yes, it was that adju- I mean, it, it was a huge adjustment, right? <laughs> and and that kind of unknown of, you know, can you plan an event a month or two down the line when we don't fully know mm-hmm. if it can be, you know, can it be in person or will people, and will people even come if it is in person or will people yeah. not feel, say, safe enough or like willing? Mm-hmm. So, so I definitely knew that there were additional challenges mm-hmm. to how I, you know, have organized events in the past. Um, but I've had in-person events, I've had some Zoom events, and they've all been really um, wonderfully attended, and, and that's been fantastic. Thanks to the library, too. For yeah, oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, poetry is something that um, I feel like everyone, like, it's it's in their heart, it's in their soul. So yeah. if you put an event Um, I feel like a lot of people are like, I'm going to try to find a way to participate in this, um, which is wonderful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. So your history with poetry, do you write poetry as well? Yes. No, I do. I um, I mean, actually, I started writing... When I was younger, I was I was really into stories and, like, narrative, right? Like, I just love the narrative thread. Um, I think... And part of that is is sort of like my background as well. Um, my grandparents were survivors of the Armenian genocide, and so oh, wow. I heard, you know, their stories of survival. And I think I was always 
really inspired by that and it really felt like a part of you know who I then became um, mm-hmm. and sort of and then my identity as well as like an Armenian American mm-hmm. and then I think the stories just the the need for stories too right the need to tell stories and for mm-hmm. everyone to tell right everyone has a story mm-hmm. everyone's family right has has passed down these kinds of narratives in some way or another and so it's that way too of putting those stories out in the world because we have if we don't hear each other's stories we won't you know like we won't be open to other people's experiences but once yeah. right like it's like once yeah. you hear someone's story i just feel like there's a softening that occurs yeah. Um, and that, that vulnerability that is shared is just so beautiful. So, um, And the ability for those people to tell it themselves. Yes. Um, in the last episode, Francisco and I were talking and ab- about that exact thing, and it's so important because otherwise it's like a game of telephone, yes. and you keep losing details, emotions, feelings with each reiteration of the story mm-hmm. unless people keep standing up and reading their own experiences from the heart. Exactly. Totally agree. <laughs> of course. It makes so much sense, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think, I, and that's where my poetry is really informed by story and by narrative. Um, I ended up doing, uh, writing poetry all through high school and college, and then I uh, went on to receive my MFA in creative writing and poetry specifically. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think poetry has just continued to be a huge part of my life. And even times when it just has, I haven't had like space or room in it, mm-hmm. um, especially like when I became like a mom with like, yeah. young babies, and it just, um, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to return to it? And and I was like, no, it's still there. It's always still there. Yeah. Um, it will always be yours regardless of your identity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. It's like a part of us. Yeah. And so that's, um, and I think we're just informed every day, right? There's so much that goes on in the world that, you know, that infuriates us, that inspires <laughs> us, that, you know, drives us to want to to yeah. speak out about. And so it's, um, I think poetry can be a really powerful force. Totally. For this podcast episode, we read a collection that you chose for us. I was excited to see your choices. So we read a collection of poems by Ada Lamon and... <laughs> Just have to throw this fun fact in there. When I was learning about her, I found out we have the same birthday. I love that. That's so great. You know, Mm -hmm. astrology and birthday, it's always Mm -hmm. just fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so then that made me wonder, like, I was trying to craft her personality. Like, from that, from what I read, she seemed like just a very fascinating person who's gone through a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know way more about her in general. How did you come to know her and is she one of your favorites have you read a lot of her stuff um yeah I mean it's really interesting I I've definitely heard her name so um I actually was introduced to her when I was reading these amazing letter poems between her and Natalie Diaz and some of them are that name sounds familiar yes she just won the Pulitzer oh my goodness yes of yes course. she's amazing no and she She's fantastic. She is a powerhouse of a poet. And um, and I'm so, I'm like absolutely so happy. I'm reading that, the post-colonial love poems. Yes, yes it was just a word of the Pulitzer. Oh, that's amazing. And um, so she had, there were these back and forth poems between Ada Lamone and Natalie Diaz. And I was reading these letters, these letters that were like in these lyrical, beautiful 
like musical lines to each other, but they were also like revealing and honest in the way you would write to like, you know, your very closest friends yeah. and saying like, what's so difficult going on right now? And so these had been published in The New Yorker and I was just so entranced by these and this whole process of like writing a letter and, and using the letter form in this way. And so in that process, I was like, wait, I have to I have to know more about this poet. And so that's how I really became introduced to, wow. to Ada Lamon, was sort of through Natalie Diaz and those letters. Um, and then I, I read Bright, Bright Dead Things. So Bright Dead Things is her for, so fourth book. So basically Ada Lamon, this is, uh, The Carrying is her fifth book. She actually has a wow. sixth book coming out next, or two months in May. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, it's awesome. called The Hurting Kind. And... Um, but yeah, so she's like this extremely prolific poet, right? I mean, she's like in her mid forties, and she already has six books. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like, I gotta catch up. Um, and and I just, as I started reading like more and more of Ada Lamone's poems, I'm like, these are just breathtakingly gorgeous, mm-hmm. but also so haunting and real. Uh, so I listened to uh, uh, this collection, which is read by her, which. Is amazing because the inflection she puts on certain things, you can feel the emotions when she's talking about the hard topics that she just keeps touching on. Or, like, you think, okay, okay, she's grappling with this. And then you another one begins, and you're like, oh, and she's grappling with this. <laughs> so as someone who hasn't read her other things and didn't know her history, I was wondering, who is this woman who has endured so much? And learn to express it with the world. Right? I mean, that's such a gift. It's like exactly what you said, to to have, right, experienced what she's experienced um, and then be able to craft art from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a challenge, right? Like so many artists and poets and writers try to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they succeed. Oftentimes they fail, (laughs) right? Like, But she does it in such this beautiful way and often in this very, um, you know, like, she refers to, she recognizes herself, like, as she's doing it, too. She's sort of like, should I share this? You know, like, am I going to tell you this? And then she does. Yeah. And um, and I think that, to me, I think the risks that she takes in sharing mm-hmm. what she's experienced um, and then how she finds meaning, right, in, mm-hmm. in these really, like, in tragedy. Um, and she does. She finds meaning and she finds beauty in it. And, and strength, somehow. Yes. <laughs> somehow. Right. Especially knowing that the things she goes through, I mean, people could find, always find something to judge someone for, but she's showing how she reacted to the tragedies in her life, knowing that other people could pick her apart for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is such a brave thing to do. Of course, right? I mean, and I think that is that is always the fear, right? And there is that, um, it feels like almost like a stigma and there's something in poetry that is a fear of like, how much do you share? How much do you reveal? Are you revealing too much? Mm-hmm. Um, I think women especially have gotten critiqued by right? this whole like confessional poetry mm-hmm. um, kind of label that is often given to like more female poets. Mm-hmm. And and that really like bothers me too, right? Like mm-hmm. why is telling our stories become then this kind of like confession yeah. or like therapy on the page when it's like, no, these are also, I mean, what she's doing is 
like she is creating such beauty and and so it does in every single moment that she describes just becomes like the stunning painting and masterpiece of of that moment yeah exactly (laughs) so before we get into a favorites of the specific collection Mm. have you read her other collections and where would you rank this one yeah i mean i've only read her you know her fourth and fifth books so like only bright dead things and the caring mm-hmm. which i heard in the interview were two of her most personal um oh, collections wow. and also the most um you know recognized if you think about like in terms of awards like bright dead things was a finalist for the national book award wow that's huge right. oh my <laughs> right gosh. i know and a national books critics circle award so it was finalist for both of those which was enormous and then caring actually right received the national book critics circle award um which is amazing and so, and to do that back to back in I, a way, I, that's what right to do that within three years of each other. Like I can't even believe that. So, <laughs> it yeah, I mean it's gotten recognized in so many ways. I do think what I do like the caring better. I think Bright Dead Things really focuses on her move from New York to Kentucky. So oh, yes. so basically, she grew up in Sonoma, so she's sort of Bay Area local, um, <laughs> and. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and um, and then when she moved, and then she moved to New York and, you know, got her MFA in New York and lived there for years and um, and then met her husband or who is now her husband and they moved to Kentucky. And so Bright Dead Things really focuses on the difficulty, I think, of, of adjusting to a new place, <laughs> right? Especially, as she says, she's really more like this sort of bi-coastal yeah, um, individual, yeah. right? And I feel like you can move between California and New York, and there's differences, but you may not feel as shaken from yes. the foundation. But moving from one of those coasts to Kentucky, yes. completely different culture, ball game. <laughs> exactly, right? And I think she really, she's so honest with that, too. Like, there are poems where she just discusses how difficult it is and how she feels so out of place. Mm-hmm. But what happens in, in Bright Dead Things, which is beautiful, is that she falls deeply in love with the land and with growing things. And we see that in the caring as well. Yes. Her right? relationship to growth, and this is a great time to move into specifics. Um, she talks about growth, and there's this whole portion about a pregnant male Yes. And she definitely uses that word a lot. Yes. I do, I can't remember exactly which poem, um, and she has so many. Like you said, this is her fifth, almost sixth work she's put out of 40 plus poems in each. But I thought that was interesting. We had, you had talked about how she copes with the tragedies and her relationship to... You know, it's, it's very common to say, well, look on the bright side, or, you know, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but she looks at growth and something anew with um, begrudging comfort. Yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Um, like, she's not all gung-ho about what's going to blossom from it. But she knows something will. And is she happy about it? Is she scared? Is she angry? Right. I think she's all of those things. Yeah, that's not the way usually told or allowed to look at a new beginning. <laughs> I totally agree. I completely write that she doesn't fall into those cliches. Mm-hmm. And instead, though at the same time, she she does 
express real gratitude, mm-hmm. right? And that is part of, um, I think, as she really explores this whole idea of the caring, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what exactly is she caring? And yes. Right. Well, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How could we forget the title? No. No, but I think that is right. I mean, that's one of my favorite lines is right in the Vulture in the Body poem. If you remember that one is when she's driving to the fertility clinic. Yes. And she asks, right, what if instead of carrying a child, I'm supposed to carry grief? Oh, uh, yeah. Right? And it's it's so moving. And then also the sense of, like, right, she's she's going to a place and she's she has this whole description of when she's meeting with this doctor and this doctor's all excited for her because he's like okay you know this is mm-hmm. this is going to happen and instead she's just getting all these premonitions because she keeps passing these different animals yes. on the side of the road who are dead yeah right and then even this like deer family she's like these three deer like a family just all dead yeah. and then that was healing like that was haunting right it's so and that's why too I think what she does there is so beautiful because she jumps back and forth between these animals Mm -hmm. to just like going to the doctor and getting right seeing like how she's getting assessed to see how like everything's going in her process with with fertility and then she questions right like am I even supposed to be doing this and like what is my body really meant for Mm -hmm. and and gosh, so yes, that whole question of what she's carrying. And I think that that question is so tied through that whole book, right? Yeah. Like, And back to her specific um, identity as a woman yes. who does want children. Right. And through the struggle, it, it, it's not a given thing, but people mm-hmm. around you growing up will act like it's a given thing. And then when you struggle, and I think the the distinction between nature and this, science is amazing and beautiful, Mm -hmm. but you can't help but ask all these questions, like, if we didn't have this science, would she be doing this? Would she have been allowed to find a different, something else to give birth to and be able to be happy about it instead of killing the grief instead of feeling like how women can like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing yes and can I find a happiness okay now I'm forced to find a happiness (sighs) in a different way and it's tinged with grief and sadness yes yes I totally I think that is what she does so masterfully is that she brings that up in a number of her poems, this idea that, like, maybe she's supposed to just carry language, mm-hmm. right? Maybe she's just supposed to be carrying, you know, like, this whole idea of naming, right? She goes into that again and again of, like, maybe I should just be naming things. and That and the, the power of names. Yes. Too. Yeah. I, it, yeah, that blew me away, too. Mm-hmm, right? It's stunning. Um, like womanhood and the woman's body again mm-hmm. and again, right? And 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 shares, um, you know, is that one poem? If you remember Wonder Woman, which I loved, yes, yes, so stunning. And and basically in this poem, she she describes how when she was a teenager, she had scoliosis and what the scoliosis, um, you know, has done to her and um, in terms of her chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And then she also reveals she's also suffering from vertigo. 
as well. And which I also think, right, like as, as a poet, especially, right, as she says, she just um, describes both of these. And one of these lines is like a spinal column, 35 degrees, bent vertigo that comes and goes like a DC Comics villain nobody can kill. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh, right? And so then bringing up this whole idea of like, you know, what we're supposed to be is this kind of Wonder Woman and this powerful and this mm-hmm. resilient, strong force to fight through everything. And then at the same time, saying, like, this is my villain, is my body in some ways. And, yeah. and like, what she's, you know, had to battle mm-hmm. in this way. And and I think that, too, shows, like, how much the woman a woman's body is also, like, right, what we have to experience and how it's under attack, whether it's from, you know, she talks about, like, this these different gazes she gets at gas stations or comments from men. Mm-hmm. And or like, at you know, through medicine or just through, you know, her experiences, her health issues. Yeah, in a way that for women, we always seem to have to be at war. We're always yes. on this journey with our bodies. And there's the journey of the infertility. But then for, for women who have had kids you also lose your body in that process, too. It's never right. really yours. You may yes. just feel like it's never really yours. And, and yeah, to have those chronic pains and, you know, the scoliosis, then the futility, then the chronic pain, like, is there something I did? Well, now I can't fulfill my purpose that I've yes. been told. And then having to battle back and forth and rework your whole identity. It's not just, oh, I'm having infertility issues, or, oh, I have chronic pain. It's, oh, I have chronic pain. I need to find a new way to be happy. Because the way I'm told to be happy, I've, I put everything on that. And then backing forth between, no, look, I am happy with this, with this way of life. Oh, wait, should, be, should I be happy? No, wait, now I'm actually not happy. Now, even questioning Mm -hmm. can make you unhappy, even though there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Did any of that make sense? Yes, exactly. I think, (laughs) and I think she, she tackles that idea again and again of this, right, of what should make her happy, right, of like, and that's what, you know, even when in her descriptions of, of like the natural world Mm -hmm. and all the beauty that it, it is infused mm-hmm. with, but she still is experiencing such deep longing, too. Mm-hmm. And and yes, and I think by examining sort of the idea of the body, right, there's even that poem, Bust, which is, again, so heartbreaking about, like, the woman who um, is basically stopped at the Berlin airport because she's been trafficking drugs inside yes. her breasts and how the American disc jockey is just being crude and sexualizing her mm-hmm. and and how she's in you know instead trying to show like the violence mm-hmm. inherent in this right yeah. and the violence that's inflicted not only in this woman who was trafficking drugs and then has you know was experiencing you know what's been stopped and but how that the, the, the violence that that this woman experienced mm-hmm. in this process but also the violence that then she has to be, you know, sort of re-traumatized on the radio waves yeah. by this male disc jockey who's just mm-hmm. making fun of it. Yeah. And and then she brings in this whole idea of, like, what women 
have to go through and her own breast and her mm-hmm. own body um, and how and all those decisions mm-hmm. as well, right? Where she brings up, like, I have a friend who's, like, debating if she will get a mastectomy to mm-hmm. save her life. And it's like, right. And I think that's where she just brings in these layers yeah. um, and, and critique, too. And that's yeah. why I think, again, she says in this idea, right, of, like, how um, a woman's body is is seen and treated mm-hmm. um, again and again in these ways that are socially acceptable. Yeah, because men definitely have things that can happen to them that really can throw them for who they're told they're supposed to be mm-hmm. and provide and and all those and all those things. Yet, I, I think the bottom line is that for women, people can look at you and think, what can that do for me? And it's not, it can go as deep as, oh, we can smuggle drugs in her breasts. Right. And like, what? And then, like you said, to be made fun of for this violence done against you. And that, and, and but then you walk around with it all the time because like getting catcalled and mm-hmm. there's no hiding. There's no respite and even that happiness of finding your own path constantly comes with fighting to stay in that equilibrium. Exactly. Because every day people or society has built in expectations. So you're like, no, I'm happy. Things are good. And then there's just a bunch of like, are you sure? Like, like, why? Why? (laughs) Why are you happy with this? With the way that your life has gone, mm-hmm. yeah. So, of course, it is. It is such that, um, and I think it is, and that's why she she explores that idea of like, of the the daily struggle and battle within our bodies, and then like within in society mm-hmm. itself. Um, and I think that like connects even to that um, that poem. What is it? The contract says we like the conversation to be bilingual. Yes. Right, yeah. where she's, it's really this, like, darkly funny poem of, like, all these expectations. And it feels almost like a real contract, right, of mm-hmm. of that because she's Latinx, that she basically is being asked to be, you know, like, well, can you bring out this story and mm-hmm. can you do this for our yes. funders? Knowing that you're only there, again, being used. You are exactly. only there for that piece of you. Yes. Instead of the whole you. Yes. Which is so jarring every time that happens. Oh my gosh. I think I, I totally agree. And I think that's what and she she explores it in that like really it's like it's like almost funny because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. The request yeah. of that like she that she's not being seen as who she is, that she's being completely right, like brought to this like distilled to this yeah. part of her yeah. that is a part of her, but she's like Right, saying like, no, I'm not going to tell you that story about my father because that yeah. is the story you want to hear. Yes, and I've heard about this with some um, examining of comedians who people, yeah, you know, do the story about uh, immigrant parents and do the voices. Oh. But what are you laughing at there? You're not laughing at a parent being a parent. You're specifically laughing at that one point of the comedian's identity and the parent's identity. And that's jarring when that's all people want from me. That's all, oh, his new set isn't as good as his old one because he took that piece out. Right. Right. Um, 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, well, then what is a poet? Is a poet like a trained monkey who should just be like going up on stage yeah. and like doing what – you know, the audience thinks is funny or, like, makes the audience feel better because we're like, oh, okay, now we've had this, you know, yes. Latinx poet. So now this, like, makes us feel better about it's, ourselves. Yeah. Um, Even the people hosting them, like, oh, look at a wide range of poets. Yes. You know, just being used, but also in a way that sometimes it's inevitable. Yes. For what you, not only for what the people who are using you need, but for also what you need and how it unfortunately can dirty the experience. <laughs> so then you can't, the experience can't be 100% a positive one, but that's just the reality of how it's going to be. Yes, <laughs> totally. I think, and I think that, yeah, by like crafting poems like that and sort of making fun. And it's a really risky poem too, right? Yeah. Like you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, do it, do it, yeah. right? Like say this. One of the greatest lessons that I've learned in, in writing poetry is like write the very thing that scares you, right? Write the thing that matters, that mm -hmm. like there's where there's something at stake. Mm -hmm. And I think she does that again and again, right? Like that kind of poem. Totally. Right, she's she's putting a lot at stake there, like yeah. even insane, right? I mean, she's received Guggenheim, she's received incredible awards and funding, and by putting that out yeah. there, it's like she's also sort of poking fun. Yeah, I think particularly as well, a point we've already touched on, but the poem where the guy's showing her his kids, oh my, and doesn't gosh. know that she's going through infertility, like those are real things that happen to women, and they just have to grin and bear it. And it was just heartbreaking. And she yeah. goes through the whole thing. I'm I'm glad you are happy. I, too, wanted that. I'm working on it. I also may be reevaluating what I want. And I'm not going to... <laughs> trying not to let him influence her mental path that she's on. Yes. And it's <laughs> just... Yeah. I think that's another one that was nice and blunt and could be hard for some people to take in. I love that poem. <laughs> I love the poem. Yeah, it's mastering. It's it's such this incredible um little snapshot into, as you said, like this really real moment, right? She's meeting with this friend at a bar. He doesn't drink. And they're good friends. Yeah. And that's what both hurts and is important to share. Mm -hmm. And is important to show her journey of trying to figure out how to keep being friends with this important person in their life. Yes, right? And to put this on the page and to put this in a book. And I remember just after I read that poem thinking, like, has this person read the poem? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is... Yeah. Um, but I also just, again, that sense of he wasn't seeing her, right? And he was trying to tell her, you know, this is the real magic in life is having a child. Yeah. Right, to this woman who has undergone, like, years and years of infertility. And, and so just that kind of blindness mm -hmm. that he just is so unaware. Mm -hmm. And and she does, right? There is that part in the poem where she just sort of, like, closes her lips and smiles. <laughs> and is like, if this was, if I was another person, like, you would not be treated this well. But, like, I'm yeah. going to sit here and yes. take it. Which, again, is, is very much, right, sort of how women are often socialized mm -hmm. is, like, don't make waves, don't make yes, people uncomfortable. Don't make yeah. 
Um, because right then, then what will happen? But then you have the attitude problem, and they didn't mean it that way. Oh, right. <laughs> he just wanted to show pictures of his children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the harm in that? Right. But yes. And I think in that poem, the title of the poem too, right? Mastering, I think is key because it is about sort of mastering these moments, but also like taking, taking this moment and being like, all right, I'm I'm going to use it and master it into my own art. I'm going to own it. Yeah. And it's hard to keep that mastering. It's hard to keep it. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's very hard. And she and she shares that. She has, like, stances and stances of her just sitting there and letting him talk. Uh-huh. And how she's just like, all right, I'm going to sit here. But we know. We know how we she know. feels. <laughs> we know. I love that. Yeah. To close out the um, collection discussion, I thought it would be fun if we showed a line that we loved. Um, and, yeah. yeah, you go first. Oh, okay. Um Well, I'll just share. This is from the title poem, Caring. And it ends with, How my own body, empty, clean of secrets, knows how to carry her, knows we were all meant for something. And it doesn't have to be... We can change our mind about a Lewis. (laughs) Right, and I love that. I love that she has that knowledge, that inner knowledge about she knows what she needs to carry mm-hmm. and she knows how to carry something, that that's something she's feels like she's always been like a part of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what is she, right? Part of her carrying is like carrying, carrying this language out into the world and this yes. art. She is amazing and sharing with people and giving gifts to people. And that, she is allowed to be complete with that. Yes. And, yeah. Love it. Uh, I love that. And the title poem is just so, so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, I really loved the line, I can't help it. I will never get over making everything such a big deal. And I love it because I think that ties as well with how we aren't supposed to be. We aren't supposed to be that way, you yes. know, in situations. Yeah. Like you said, not making waves. But to live is... To live. Treat each moment like a big deal. Why not? <laughs> exactly. Well, as a, as a poet, that's what makes poetry is, is finding that tiny moment and making it huge, right? Blowing it up. And, and yeah, why are we, why minimize, right? Why silence ourselves? Like, no, but make it loud. Oh, I didn't even think that. That's Brilliant. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, she's great. She's, she's I amazing. cannot thank you enough for recommending this book Aww. or this poetry collection um, because I do try to branch out a couple times a year and things that I don't normally pick up. And so this was a great first poetry read of the year. So thank you. Just to end in general book chats, I love talking about books. Uh, what are you reading now? Are you reading anything now? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm actually, I am reading the Natalie Diaz post-colonial love poem. awesome. Which is amazing. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I think it's like there's there's so much that has heat in it. I think Natalie Diaz is also like this poet who is not afraid to like run into the fire and like put it, put it in words and then find music. In, yeah. in deep pain and suffering, and um, and she's a Native American poet. But yeah, I would definitely recommend her. That if if Ada Limon 
really resonates and rings too true. Yeah. Um, check her out. I've also been reading and rereading Mary Shebus Incarnadine. She's like one of my favorite collections that came out. Oh, okay. Um, probably like 20, maybe 2013, and it's stunning. It is just <laughs> absolutely like um, just such this exploration in, again, this idea of, of the body. And she also brings a lot of um, questioning about um, sort of religion and um, aspects, like big global issues, but also, again, those fine-tuned moments. Oh, that's great. That she just, like, pays attention to, and they just, you read these poems, and they stick with you. Like, you feel like you're at the dinner party she's describing. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, I, um, as always, I will be including every book and okay. author and things that we talked about in the blog post. Those will probably be my next poetry reads, because they just sound okay. brilliant, and I'm intrigued by the relationship between Natalie and Ada, and it is really mind-blowing. Right. So thank you for that. So to end this wonderful discussion, do you have any advice for those looking to get into poetry? Because it can be intimidating. Totally, of course. And I and I know that, that like, definitely, right, people, some people, like, see poetry as this kind of, you know, up in a castle on that whole, like, ivory <laughs> tower. I mean, it's like... You wouldn't get it. <laughs> right. Exactly, right. And how many times have we been, like, scolded by a teacher and, you know, like, being like, no, you're not getting the gist of the poem yeah. and... You feel like you're missing the point. And what I would say, I mean, first is I would say, like, read, you know, like, read poetry that sings to you. You know, like, don't don't make it torture for yourself, right? Don't just, like, pick up a poem and be like, well, I was told this is a good poet, so I'm going to read it. It's like, <laughs> no, like, go into the poetry section of your library and just, like, take out random books and yeah. just check them out. Open them up to a poem. If that poem just, like, really feels like it has electricity, fantastic take it home but like if it doesn't put it back on the shelf get another one it's just I mean there's such a range of poetry mm. and poets and speakers I would also say like attend as many readings as you can because that also gives you such exposure yes. um, to both you know like really established poets to also just like new voices um, there's a lot of amazing podcasts so actually Ada Limon has an awesome podcast. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe we're ending with this. I, That's genius. I love it. Yeah. Yay. So it's called The Slowdown, and it's basically, I think they did, they, I heard it was a description of, like, a multivitamin a poetry for your day kind of thing. So basically, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, five, it's, it's, like, five minutes, maybe ten minutes at most, and it's every weekday, and it's basically Ada just sort of riffing a little bit on something, right? Like, there are riffs on her talking about, you know, like, the bluest eye being banned in schools, right? Like, there's just little snippets. Mm -hmm. And then she picks a poem. And it's not a poem she's written. It's a, you know, some poem that she just feels speaks to the topic. And it's so smart and revealing and beautiful. And and it's so her, right? Like, I'm going to talk a little bit about my life or what's going on in the world, and then I'm going to find a poem. And so that's something, too, that, like, again, you could just be in your car, that is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Five-minute walk. Take a breather in the day to just do a little walk. Yeah. I love that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is brilliant. Oh, she's just amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you again, Jen, so much for coming in. I was so excited, and this was so fun. I think we could have talked for another five hours. 
completely. <laughs> I don't think we even touched on a quarter of the things that we both wrote down. I know. <laughs> but this was wonderful, and I'm so excited that you're the poet laureate for Los Gatos. Um, you're perfect for the job, just like you knew in your heart that you Aww. would be. So thank you again for coming. Thank you, Brianna. This was such a delight. I, I cannot think of a better thing I would want to do Aww. than talk about poetry <laughs> yeah. with someone who's so incredibly like intelligent and oh, such yeah. an amazing thank reader you. and responded <laughs> I mean, I just also love, like, that you and I have found so many of favorite favorite poems and favorite yes. lines that both spoke to us. And yeah, and it seemed like we were seeing some of the same things, which is excellent to see that connection, like, the recognition. Totally. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah.